Today we continue our series asking you to go all in on the mission of God. To not just be a country club member, but to go all in. To give it all up. Without reservations, without holding back, participating in the mission of God through our church, into our community, ultimately into around the world. Now what does it mean to be a part of the mission of God? Here at Mountain States, you know that we support a number of international missionaries. That's just one small aspect. We have 25 international missionaries, foreign missionaries, and 18 different fields that we support every month we send money to. Last year, it was over $18,000 we sent to those missionaries alone on a monthly, over the course of the year, not on a monthly basis, over the course of the year, to help support and provide opportunities in Argentina, Bolivia, England, South, South Africa area, Australia, Greece, Nicaragua, and other parts of the world. You know our heart for missions. You know our heart after having spent 21 years overseas and how much you guys were invested in a part of what we were doing as well. And we're so thankful for this church, for the years and the efforts you've put into not just my family and our ministry and these other 25 missionaries, but countless others that have come through and that you've supported over the past 60 years, being a part of the mission of God. Additionally, there's three domestic missionaries that we support as well, and the missions office that we support on a monthly basis, being a part of what God is doing in this country as well, because this is also a field that God is interested in. It's not just the foreign fields. He's interested in what God's doing and what people are doing right here in this country as well. And last year, we gave over $5,000 to support those ministry outreaches. And then you bring it back a little closer to home through the VBS opportunities we've had here at our church, through the fall festival that's coming up here in another month as we expand our outreach and just to being around our community here and the future opportunities that God's going to give us. I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning during our Bible study hour. It's not an accident. The address we have is our church. 3751 Cottonwood Lakes Boulevard is not an accident. God has placed us here. God has planted us here for a reason. Your address, where you live, where you spend the majority of your time, is not an accident. You may have bought the house 10 years ago, 2 years ago, 50 years ago, 150 years ago. And it's passed on through your family. I don't, it doesn't matter. Where you live, where you call home, is not an accident. That cubicle you go to every, every day, Monday to Friday, if you still have a job, is not an accident. God is inviting each and every one of us, regardless of our situations, regardless of our area of sphere of influence, to be involved in the mission of God, to reach in, to go all in, to participating with what God wants us to do. Think about the opportunities we have. Last week we talked about our stewardship. Stewardship opportunities and how how God, we were reminded that, that God does not need our money, right? God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need my money. God is the richest being around. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
but he invites us to participate in his mission, in his plan. And that is one way we do it, by giving of our tithes and our offerings. We showed how in the Old Testament and the New Testament, his children were invited to participate in his mission through their tithes and their offerings that he gave uh, on a regular basis. And today we're talking about our sacrifice. That's not a fun word. None of us really wants to sacrifice. We want it to kind of go easy, smooth, just kind of go through life. God, just make my life easy. Yeah. None of us have been called to the easy life. We've all been called to sacrifice, to give up, to give up my needs and my desires and things that I want to participate and contribute to the mission of God. I've shared it before. My desire is to sit at home. My little introvert self. Okay, That's where I want to hang out. Just me, myself, and I. And then God brought six other little creatures into my house. Thankfully, I love my little six, six little creatures. And now my six little creatures are getting older and one's moved and gone out. Thank praise God for that. But the others are still home eating my food. Using my electricity. Yes, I love you too. And I love my six little creatures. I, I love the son-in-law's son-in-law that has already come into my family. It adds character. It adds wonderful meaning to our, what, what's going on. God has called me to sacrifice as a dad, to set my desires aside. He's called me to sacrifice as a husband, to set my needs aside, to meet my wife's needs. He's called me to sacrifice as a pastor, to set my desires aside to meet the needs of others, to help meet the needs of others. The same way he's called all of us to sacrifice, to help participate in his mission. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's not about you, yourself, and you. It's about him and meeting his goals and participating in his plan to reach this world. So with that in light this morning, with that in mind, what does it mean to go unapologetically all in? Unapologetically all in. You know, earlier this year, I participated in the CrossFit program for six weeks, and I was done. I was good. Six weeks program, and I was good. We're sitting there with the dumbbells, and that's not a picture of me up on the screen. That guy actually has muscles. <laughs> if you saw the full picture, you'd say, wow, David looks really good with what he did. Yeah, no. And I was throwing that medicine ball up there. Oh, really? You got a lighter one? Go from 15-pound to the 10-pound. You got a two-pound medicine ball, please? I can do that one. The kettleballs, swinging those things up. Yeah, 30 pounds, no. 20 pounds, no. Uh, let me get a little lighter, please. It was tough. But I wanted to show them that I could do it. Going all in, unapologetically. And that's, God has called us to go unapologetically, all in on his mission. What does that look like here at Mountain States? It's not just with our money. We talked about that last week. We're going to briefly talk about that next week, and I'm going to let you know where I'm going. Next week, we're talking about surrendering. Okay, the three S's. No, no good, every good preacher alliterates, right? So you have stewardship, sacrifice, surrender. And next week, I'm going to ask you, surrender it all. And really kind of culminating with a 90-day challenge. A 90-day challenge. 
We'll talk about more of that next week. But just know that's where we're going the end of this series next week. So nobody miss next week. You're going, stink. Now I don't have to be here. So what does it look like to go all in with the mission here at Mountain States? We, we've been called as the body of Christ to reach our community, to reach our city, to reach our state, to participate in reaching around the world. I mean, those missionaries we support, they're an extension of our ministry. They're an extension of what we are doing, what we are praying about here at Mountain States. What does that mean here locally, though, to participate in the mission that God has called us to at Mountain States? Firstly, it's to become a covenant member here. If you have not considered becoming a member here at our church, you need to seriously pray and consider, I want to commit my life, that I'm going to commit my life right here, right now, as long as God has me here in Thornton, Colorado, as long as I'm living in this area, this is the church that I'm going to commit to. It's okay if you haven't come to that decision. That's okay. But I would, you, something you seriously need to pray about considering and becoming a covenant member here so that you can participate even deeper in, the, in, the, in what God is doing here. It's okay to participate in the surface level things. That's okay. If that's where God's got you. But you need to really pray, where does God want you? What church does he want you to commit to? That's what we're asking. If you're coming here on a regular basis, get involved with a life group. Get involved with one of our small groups that meets on a regular basis. We have three or four from the meet every single week. And unfortunately, they're very lowly attended. And you look at the total attendership of our church. That's where the deepening comes. That's, that's where we get to know one another. That's where the nitty-gritty comes out. That's where we pray for each other's needs. That's where we get to know what it is that you have, what makes you tick and what makes me tick. You don't have to go to the one with your pastor. That's okay. I'm all right, I'm all right with that. I'm securing my manhood. If you don't want to come to mine, it's all right. I understand. It doesn't make me sad. But you need to find one to plug in because that's where growth happens. That's where community happens. Get involved in a different ministry here at our church. We got, as we said, we got a fall festival coming up, and that's one of our outreaches into our community every year. As we invite folks in our that live around here to come and experience the love of Christ in us, we don't preach the gospel message to them that week. We get them, we get to live out the gospel message among people that that day, and that's always a, the Saturday before th- before Halloween. This week, I think it's uh, this year. It's October twenty seventh. So put that on your calendar. Plan now to be involved. Plan now to get involved in what God is going to do in and through that ministry, our fall festival. Okay. And are you invested financially in what God is doing? Oh, there he goes talking about money again. Talking about my wallet. Remember, God is not after your wallet. What's he after? He's after your heart. See, when God gets your heart, everything else kind of comes by the wayside. Everything else is a downhill slope. It's easy to get involved in ministry. It's easy to get involved in a life group. It's easy to get involved in membership. It's easy to get involved in all these things that are going on around us if he gets our hearts. It's no longer a question of, here's my paycheck. How much of this do I have to give? It's how much can I give? Songer, oh man, how much time do I have to give this week to go work outside in the landscaping or helping build a, a ramp or a children's church? Or, or how much time do I have to give at VBS? Or how much time do I have to give to build a game for the fall festival? It's how much time can I give? Because when God gets your heart, everything else is easy. 
Everything else is easy. God wants your heart. He wants us to be followers, not fans of Jesus. Think of a Broncos game. Broncos are playing what time today? 225, 230. Okay, y'all know. We are some great fans of the Broncos. When Elway was quarterback, woohoo, everybody was all excited. Then Elway retired and said, ah, dry season, no quarterback, no quarterback. Ah, Peyton Manning's here, woohoo, he's our quarterback. And now Peyton's gone. Is Case Keenum really going to do it? Is he really going to cut the mustard? Is he really going to stick it out there and take us to another Super Bowl? We're great fans. I remember pictures of the Barrel Man. Used to go to the game. Y'all remember the Barrel Man? Get that big old sucker. Dead of winter, ice cold outside. He's bare-chested, got his barrel, got suspenders, holding up his barrel. I don't know what he had underneath. I didn't ask. I didn't look. He was a super fan. He was committed. People painting their chest, painting their faces, wearing funky hair. They're fans. See, we're not called just to be fans of Jesus. We're called to be followers of Jesus. And that means that even in the downside, even when the, the team, when, when things are going bad, you are still committed. Even when things don't look well, even when things are not going well with you and what's going on, you are still committed because you are a follower of Jesus, not just a fan. There's a different qualification. There's a lot of fans in Jesus' ch- church today. A lot of country clubbers who come and they pay their dues and expect a lot. Very few followers to say, I'm going to give it all and do whatever is required of me. Last week we said that gospel-centered generosity starts with the understanding that God doesn't need my money. He's after our heart. Gospel-centered generosity begins with the understanding that God doesn't need my money. He's after my heart. I hope that this week you've been praying about where your heart is. And this next week, you'll continue praying. Say, God, where is my heart in relation to your ministry and what you want us to do? And the week after that, you'll say, God, I want my whole heart to be given to you. As I take this next 90-day challenge, I'm going to give it all up and commit it all for you without any reservations. The four questions we had last week, says, what does what we do with our money show how, how much we love? What does giving show that we trust in? What does what we do with our money reveal about what kingdom we are serving? And what statement does our giving show give to God about His value to you? As we give, as we commit, what does that show about God, our commitment to Him? Let's look at the example of Israel real quick this morning. Exodus chapter 34, 35 and 36 rather. A nation receives the tablets of God with the Ten Commandments and the law and they're asked to contribute to the building of the tabernacle. Exodus 35, verse 4 and following. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord, 
Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution of gold, silver, and bronze, purple, blue, and scarlet yarns, and fine twin, twinned, twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrance incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastplate. He says, all these things we need for those who are I'm going to try and find the verse there. All the things that we need. Go down, actually, it goes down to verse 20. Then the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose heart was stirred. What's God after? Your heart. So everyone whose heart was stirred, they brought as the Spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent and meeting, for its service and for the holy garments. There was no begging. Moses didn't have to say, here's how much we need to meet our budget. Here's how much we need to pay the priests. Here's how much we need to send the, the teens to summer camp. Here's how much we need for VBS. Here's how much we need for our next-gen trailer. He didn't have to say that. He just said, Go, and if God lays it on your heart, you give. And then I love it. Everyone whose heart was stirred, everyone whose the Spirit moved him, they gave. You know what? There was more than enough. Once the Spirit got a hold of people's hearts, once God got a hold of people's hearts, look what happened in chapter 36, verse 3 and, three and following. End of verse 3 says, they still kept bringing free will offerings. They still kept bringing free will offerings. They received everything they needed, and they still kept bringing those free will offerings every morning. Verse 4, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came, each from the task he was doing. And he said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work of the Lord has commanded us to do. They bring in too much. Tell them to stop. We've got more. We've got piles of God, piles of stuff for God's work. We've got piles and piles, too much. And Moses says in verse 6, So Moses gave the command, and the word was proclaimed around the camp, Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution to the sanctuary. He says, Stop! Stop giving! You've done too much. We have more than enough to meet the need. You ever heard a preacher say that? You ever heard a politician say that? How many emails do we get? How many advertisements and junk mail things do you get in your snail mail? Please give, please give, please give. This need, this ministry, this need, this ministry. What would it be like if we'd say, stop, we've met our budget for the year plus some. Stop, we can take on three new staff members today because of the gifts that you guys have given. God's got your heart. You've sacrificed over and above, over and above to the need, to the work of God. So the people were restrained, he says there in the end of verse 6. The people were restrained from bringing for the material they had sufficient to do all the work and more. See, the people were overcome by all that God had done for them. 
Now think about this. They had just come out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt and they're stuck at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's army is bearing down. What does God do? He opens up the Red Sea. They walk across on dry land to get to the other side. The Red Sea closes in on top of Pharaoh's army. They're gone. He leads them into the wilderness. He provides for them in the wilderness for the next 40 years. We know what happens. 40 years he's going to provide for them. He gives them food. He gives them water. He provides for them every little need they have. And so Moses says, here's what we need. We're at the bottom of Mount Sinai. He's already, God's already provided for you at the Red Sea. He's already given you water. He's already given you food. He's provided for all of your needs. We need to build a tabernacle for the Lord's work. Man, the people just opened up their wallets and they just start giving. How much can I give? How much can I give? And it's not just the money they gave. They gave of their time. They gave of their energies. They sacrificed it all for the work of God. So that the material they had was sufficient to do all the work. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all all means. They had material sufficient to do all the work and more. Wow. I'm convicted. I am personally convicted about my level of commitment to Christ, about my level of what God wants me to do, about participating in his mission even more. Not guilt. I don't feel guilty. I'm just looking at my life and going, God, how many times do, have I just sloughed off and, and somebody's comment you brought to my path and I was putting the headphones in and I'm, I'm busy. I've got to focus on what I'm doing instead of focusing on somebody that God has brought to me or some need that he's presented, and I'll just turn my eyes away, and I I, I don't want to hear about it, because I don't want to be bothered to get out of my comfort zone. And here, the nation of Israel, God says, here's an opportunity for you to get involved in my ministry. And they're like, yes, we love you, God. We are committed to doing this because of our love for you. It wasn't guilt that they gave, it wasn't because of their guilt. It wasn't because they said, oh, we haven't been doing enough. They saw what God had done for them and they were overjoyed in the love for God and the response to his love to them just poured out. And they sacrificed it all for God to be involved in the mission of God, what he was doing in them and through them. See, they gave in response to the command of God. Yes, God did ask them. God says, here's what we want to do. We want to build this temple. We want to build our next-gen trailer. We want to build something here. We want to do, get involved in a ministry of God that God has placed before us, whether it's the Operation Rescue, the Operation Christmas Child Boxes back there or the Fall Festival coming up. There's opportunities presented before us each and every day. And God's saying, get involved. So they got involved in response to the command of God. They used their stuff, their stuff to build this tabernacle. Because you know what? They understood they can't take the stuff with them. Our stuff stays here. When I'm dead and gone and my bones are rotten in the ground, my stuff is still here. 
I can't take my IRA with me. I can't take my checkbook with me. I can't take those books with me as much as I love my books as a preacher. I can't take those books with me. I can't take my music with me. I can't take my car with me. I can't take my vacation with me. I can't take my pictures with me. All the stuff stays here. So why not use it for His glory? They gave in response to the grace of God because God's grace had been shown on them. They could have been stuck at the Red Sea. They could have been stuck without food and water in the desert. And God's grace came in and he said, I hear your cries. I see the needs of my people. Let me pour out my grace on you. So when the need was presented to them, we want to have a tabernacle, a place to put the Ark of the Covenant a place to put where we can go to the tent of meeting, where we can go and we can worship, where offerings can be made before the Lord, a God of hosts. They jumped at the chance to participate. They gave an anticipation of the future, and not just their current needs right now, what was needed right now. They understood that God was leading them to a promised land, that he was leading them to a promised land, and there are people there that need to hear about Jesus. There are people there who need to participate in the work and the mission of God, of Jehovah Almighty God. In anticipation of the future and their generations and generations to come. This church, 60 years old, when people gave in 1958, they gave for future ministry. They gave for the future. They gave for you and you and you and me and all of us in this room right now, so we could have a place to come and meet and worship. They sacrificed for us. I remember that when Pastor Ham, the previous pastor before me, those who don't know him, one of his first Sundays in church, they had a leaky roof of the old building, not this place, the old building they were at. They had a leaky roof. One of the deacons walked up to him and said, well, Pastor, what's your plan to fix that leak? And Pastor Ham said, well, we can either go to the bank and get a loan or ask God's people to meet. So that deacon said, I was hoping you would say that because we need to ask God's people to meet the need. And he was the very first one to whip out his checkbook and said, how much do you think we, it's going to cost? And they went out and got some estimates, found out. A deacon whipped out his checkbook and wrote a check for a bunch of that. Not all of it, for a bunch of it. Sacrificing for the future so that you and I would have a chance to hear the gospel. So some of the people in this room would have a chance to hear the gospel, to to come up in the children's ministry, to come up in the women's ministry, to come up in the youth ministry, to come up in the men's ministry, to come up in the senior adults ministry, to have a chance to hear and experience the love of Christ because somebody gave to fix a leaky roof. Now, I'm not asking, we don't have a leaky roof today. We don't have any needs right now. But are you willing to give? To sacrifice your time, your efforts, for what God's got in the future. We don't know what they are. We don't know who's going to come into this building next week. We don't know who's going to come into this building to get involved with our church next month. We don't know who's going to come next year. But there will be opportunities in the future for us to be involved in people's lives. It's not about right here, right now. They gave publicly. They brought everything to the altar. They brought everything right there. So we're going to give, we're going to give, we're going to give. It reminds me of in, Barnab- in the New Testament when Barnabas, 
he had a piece of property that, in Acts that says he went and sold his property and took it and laid it at the disciples' feet. So I want to give this money to contribute to the needs of the body of Christ. So Ananias and Sapphira saw, whoa, he gave. And everybody said, whoa, look at Barnabas. And they pat him on the back. Let's do the same thing. They went out and sold a piece of property and brought a portion of that to the lady at the feet of the apostles. So we also want to give. But their hearts weren't right. Their hearts weren't right. And so because they gave with a wrong motive, and people knew that, the disciples were enlightened by the Holy Spirit to their true motives. They were killed. Peter said, why are you trying to lie to the Holy Spirit? Barnabas gave out of a pure motive. I want to help reach and meet the needs of our people to help reach the needs and to be involved in what's going on, God's got doing, and be involved in his mission. And everyone had something to contribute. Everyone. Everyone gave something. And then they had, I love it, they had to hold a congregational meeting. When's the last time the, a business meeting was fun, Right? They had a congregational business meeting. Stop giving! Because they'd given too much. Wouldn't that be awesome? Next year, if we could raise our missionaries, we, send, we support them about $50 a month right now. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could send 60 or 70 or 75 next year? Because somebody said, I'm going to step up. I'm going to sacrifice for our missionaries. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could fully deck out that next-gen trailer so that we could meet the needs of the future generations that are going to be coming into this building? We don't even know who they are yet. We don't know who's God's got coming to this place this next week, next month, next year. Some of y'all are brand new in our church. Last year, you were just hanging out at home, doing something else, and God impressed on your heart to come and get involved. You're one of those future people that people gave to reach last year, year before that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. What's keeping us from giving? What's keeping us from sacrificing our lives? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Paul writes this. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work as, as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. See, we have a chance to participate in the work of God, the mission of God around this world. And he goes on in verse 10. He says, He who supplies the need for the sower, the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed also. For sowing an increase in the harvest of righteousness, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Why is it that more of us don't participate? Why is it that more of us don't give to participate in the mission of God? Paul says it's 
expected of us. Moses said it's expected of us to at least participate. But why don't we sacrifice? Why aren't we willing to sacrifice? Can I say this? I think the, one of the number one reasons we don't is fear. The dreaded two words. What if? What if? Two words. Hold us back from fully going all in. Two simple words. What if? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if my car breaks down? What if I, I, I don't have this? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know who puts those two words in your mind? Satan. If he can keep you thinking, what if I, I can't step out in faith? What if I can't give to this need? What if I can't do something? What if? What if we turned it around and said, what if I don't? What if I don't give to our missionaries this month? See, I, I know I normally give 50 bucks a month, but you know that compressor in, in, in my refrigerator, it seems to be not cool in my food as much. So I, I don't think I'm going to hold that back this, this time. What if we don't? That missionary in the foreign field that we normally give to, we write to and say, I'm sorry, we don't have the 50 bucks to send you this month. I don't know why, it just didn't come in. Or that teenager that wanted to go to youth camp, I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have the scholarship to send you to youth camp this year. I, I, I know that you were counting on that 50 bucks. I know that you were counting on that little bit, but we don't have the scholarship to be able to send you. What if we don't? Those two words can keep us powerless. What if you're attacked by an anaconda? It's a what if question, right? I can't give because what if I'm attacked by an anaconda? Well, there's, there's a simple answer for that. National Geographic said, if you are attacked by an anaconda, just so you know this, if by some chance in the future you are attacked by an anaconda, this is what you do. Don't run. Okay? Lie flat on the ground. Keep your arms close to your side, your legs together. Keep your, tin, your chin tucked in. So the snake is probably going to nudge you and climb all over your body. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Don't panic. I repeat, don't panic. The snake will begin to suck your legs into his, its body. Lie very still. This is going to take some time. You ever sucked on a straw from a, a really thick milkshake? It's going to take some time. When the snake has reached your knees, you slowly reach down and take your knife. You insert it in the snake's mouth and you sever the head. Last point, make sure you have a knife. Most importantly, make sure you have a knife, but don't panic. God, I, I have this money that you want me to give, but what if something bad happens? What if something breaks down? Don't panic. Satan wants us to panic. Satan wants us to think all these bad things. Has God laid it on your heart to do something, to give something, to be involved in something? 
Set aside those what-if questions. Don't panic. It's never as bad as you think it's going to be. Just maybe, just maybe, God wants you to step out in faith. Just maybe, God wants you to step out in faith. Just maybe, He wants you to get outside your comfort zone. Just maybe. Fear keeps us powerless. Many adopted kids fear for lack of food on their tables. Many adopted kids grow up on the streets not knowing where their next meal is going to come from. So when they're eating at the table with their new family, they see the bowl of soup get lower and lower and lower and somebody reaches in and grabs the last little bit, puts it in their bowl, and all of a sudden there's no more left in the pot. They don't know and fully comprehend and understand that you can just go to the store and buy more food. And there's a real fear in their hearts. When one of our daughters experienced this fear, it wasn't until we grew a garden and this had been an ongoing fear in, in their hearts. And as we grew a garden out in the backyard, they began to see that you plant a seed, it grows. Food comes from that. And that you take that food and you replenish that pot. Fear had a hold of her heart until that realization took root. What fear in your heart is keeping you from going all in? For jumping in and saying, God, I wanna, I'm committing my life, my resources, my time, my energy, my talents. God is able to make all grace abound in you so that having all sufficiency and in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for the sowing and increase of the harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving for God. Did you hear that? It's not about name it, claim it. It's not about saying, God, I'm giving this seed. I'm going to put this money down and I'm counting on you to meet all my needs. It's saying, God, I want to be involved and engaged in what you are doing. I want to be involved in the mission of God and what you are doing because I trust and believe in you. By faith, I'm going to take this step. I love Malachi 3.10. He says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is God talking. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord God of hosts. Put me to the test if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you and pour for you a blessing until there is no need. Are we willing to put God to the test? 
and say, God, I'm going to give and give and give until I have no more to give, trusting. I'm not just talking about this. I'm going to give and give and give until there's no more because I trust that you are going to meet all of my needs. God, I trust you for my daily bread. I trust you that you're going to fill that soup pot again. I trust you for my emotional needs. I trust you for my health needs. I trust you for my financial needs. I trust you for my kids' needs. I trust you for my parents' needs. I trust you for my grandparents' needs. God, I'm going to go all in and take a step in faith and trust you for all. Because, God, I want you to have my heart. God, I want you to have this. Because when you have this, you have this, you have this, you have this, you have this. It starts here. C.S. Lewis said this, and I'll close in closing. He says, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. That's nice to know. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. That's not so good. (laughs) In other words, if our expenditures on comforts and luxuries and amusements is up to the standard common among those with our same income as our own, we are probably giving way too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. That's not a comfortable thought from this philosopher, this theologian. If there's something I would like to do but I can't, in other words, am I holding back my giving to the Lord? Am I giving back on my commitment to the Lord because there's something over here that I really want to do? See, God has called us a sacrifice. What what did Christ do for us? How much did Christ give for us? He gave it all. He went to the cross on my behalf, on your behalf over here, on your behalf over here. He gave it all. We owe him all that we are. Essentially, C.S. Lewis is saying this, unless your level of giving creates fear in you, you are not giving biblically. When's the last time that you gave that there was a little bit of fear? I don't know. I don't know, God. A little bit of fear, a little bit of heart palpitation here. I'm trusting you to meet my needs. I'm trusting you for my daily bread. God, you know I'm on a fixed income. God, you know that my job doesn't look too secure. You know, I don't know if that raise is coming. God, you know there's some, what if there's some health needs that pop up? Yeah, I know. See, too often we do what we want And so we can't participate in the economy of God. Too often we participate in what I want. Too often I participate in doing the things that I want to do. And so because of that, I can't participate in the need that comes up that God really wanted to bless me with. He really wanted to use in my life to stretch me to participate in his economy. For me to sacrifice all 
to participate in his economy. God wants your heart. If you're not wealthy, you're going to think your gift won't matter. And I want to remind you that God is not in need of your money. He's after a statement of your heart. When God wanted to feed the 5,000 or 4,000, who did he ask? Did he ask the wealthy person in the midst? He went to the little boy. He said, I'll take those five loaves and two fish. That's all I got. That's all I need. He's asking for a statement of their heart. Some of us in the room are better off than others. And I want to remind you again that God doesn't need your money. He doesn't want you just to give a gift so it's impressive on the balance sheet. But that gift is not is meaningless because it's not from the heart. Remember David's statement last week? I will not give unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. Every gift we give ought to stretch us. Every time you, you give your tithe, not pay, every time you give your tithe, you give your offering, it should be a step of faith and you go, okay, I know I need, I need to give out of obedience. I need to give. Because I want to participate in the economy of God to be a part of what he is doing in this church and around the world. Does God have your heart this morning? Does God have your heart? Is he slowly working his way into your heart? Is he slowly getting hold of your mind, helping you to set aside the fear, to set aside those two, those two words, what if? What if, what if, what if? They're a killer of being involved in his economy. Let me bow your heads and close your eyes just a minute.